0: We have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be, we provide an exception for this. Yeah, I'm with you, Mr. President. Can you say it with a little more energy and oomph. Well, I
1: don't know why I came here tonight. That's
0: why. I
1: got the feeling something right. It's absolutely I'm so scared because I fall off my chair. And i wonder how i get down the stairs
0: Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you I am! From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, And most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm sorry to say, however, we must start today with a correction. A correction, (laughs) Desi Doyen. Uh, hi, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm okay.
0: Okay. What's the
1: correction? Well, it's a
0: correction. You know, we like to put them right up front. We don't like to bury them at the back the way, you know, many news outlets do. When we screw up, we like to admit to it right off the top. So at the top, at the very top of yesterday's show, after an opening quote from, I believe, uh, Pete Williams of, of NBC. Yes. I, uh, I snarked about five extremists on the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm. In fact, there are six, not five radical extremists on the U.S. Supreme Court. I misspoke. I regret the error. (laughs) There's our correction. Okay. And uh, today, after the last several weeks of those same six extremists gutting the Voting Rights Act's uh, prohibitions uh, against racial gerrymandering, overturning Roe v. Wade's right to privacy and reproductive freedom, further demolishing the separation between church and state, blocking states from well-regulating the bearing of arms within their borders, and on Thursday, gutting the Environmental Protection Agency's statutorily mandated directive to protect the environment from pollutants, including carbon emissions, well, the Supreme Court, that's all just within the past two weeks, the Supreme Court has lost all, and I mean all, of its legitimacy as currently constituted with a stolen and packed GOP majority that includes the only three justices ever, ever seated on the court in its history, the only three to be seated by a president who lost the popular vote. All three of those uh, justices are currently on the court. They were all appointed by Donald Trump, and by uh, they were also appointed by a Senate vote that only succeeded once the filibuster that had long required at least 60 votes to seat anyone on the highest court of the land, Only after that filibuster was nuked by Mitch McConnell and his fellow Republicans in the Senate in order to seat those three radical, not conservative, in the least corrupt activist jurists onto a six to three supermajority that is now sort of breaking the country. I see the uh, Trump McConnell Roberts Court at this time as having the same legitimacy as the U.S. Department of Justice did when it was being led for a number of weeks or months by Trump's former large genital toilet bowl salesman, Matthew Whitaker. Remember that <laughs> when he was,
1: oh yes,
0: acting Attorney General for a number of weeks. It was, at the time, an illegitimate junk Department of Justice, frankly. It was in the business of doing little more than protecting a criminal president in the White House. And, yeah, well, now, as I see it, we have an illegitimate junk U.S. Supreme Court you know which was both created by the very both the uh, junk DOJ and the junk US department uh, US Supreme Court now both created by the very same corrupted criminals and corporate interests in short we are in big 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 trouble so hey welcome to the broadcast <laughs> You may have already heard part of this story as it came out a week or so ago after the corrupt junk justice Brett I Like Beer Kavanaugh. Uh, join the court's radical Republicanists to overturn Roe v. Wade, but it underscores at least part of a point I wish to make here. From the New York Times, during a two-hour meeting in her Senate office with the Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh way back in August of 2018, Senator Susan Collins of Maine pressed him hard on why she should trust him not to overturn Roe v. Wade if she backed his confirmation. Judge then Judge Kavanaugh worked vigorously to reassure her that that he was no threat to the landmark abortion rights ruling. He said, quote, start with my record, my respect for precedent, my belief that it is rooted in the Constitution and my commitment and its importance to the rule of law. That's what he said, according to contemporaneous notes that were kept by multiple staff members in this meeting with Susan Collins. He said, quote, I understand precedent and I understand the importance of overturning it. Roe, he said, is 45 years old. It has been reaffirmed many times. Lots of people care about it a great deal. And I've tried to demonstrate I understand real world consequences. That's what he said, according to the notes taken at that time, adding, I am a don't rock the boat kind of judge. I believe in stability And in the team of nine.
1: (laughs) Of course he does.
0: So, persuaded by that, she claims, Senator Collins, the Republican uh, who claims to support Roe v. Wade, she gave a detailed speech a few weeks later, laying out her rationale for backing the then-future justice that cited his stated commitment to precedent on Roe, helping clinch his confirmation after a bitter fight. Well... A week ago or so, uh, Justice Kavanaugh joined the majority in overturning the decision that he told Collins he would actually protect. His turnabout in the case prompted Collins and another senator, Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, who gave Justice Kavanaugh crucial votes for his narrow confirmation, gave them cause to vent their anger saying they felt their trust had been abused. Their indignation was echoed across the Capitol by lawmakers who said the court's decision helped, dra- helped, helped drain what was left of any credibility the Supreme Court nominees have in their confirmation hearings. Collins said, I feel misled adding that the decision was in stark contrast to the assurances she had received privately from Kavanaugh. Manchin, the only Democrat to vote for Justice Kavanaugh, also expressed similar sentiments about Justice Neil Gorsuch, who made his own strong statements about adhering to precedent during his confirmation back in 2017. Manchin, uh, who is also anti-abortion himself, Quote, I trusted Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh when they testified under oath that they also believed Roe v. Wade was settled law, settled legal precedent, and I am alarmed that they chose to reject the stability the ruling has provided for two generations of Americans. But with the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs v. Jackson women's health on uh, Friday a week ago, which eviscerated a nearly 50-year-old precedent and had far-reaching consequences, those statements of fealty to precedent began to look less like traditional hearing rhetoric and more in the words of Senator Richard Blumenthal, of, uh, Democrat of Connecticut, like, quote, rank deception. He said, according to The Times, I have no respect left for some of the justices when you consider what they told us in their confirmation hearings. Their credibility is approaching zero with us, but also with the American people. Correct, Senator. So what are you and the Democrats going to do about it? Just curious. Collins, Senator Collins, noted that in her discussions with Justice Gorsuch, uh, he had assured her that he had, quote, written the book on precedent, a treatise, in fact, titled, quote, The Law of Judicial Precedent. In the case of Kavanaugh, Collins pointed to the deep and repetitive assurances he made on precedent when it came to Roe as clearing the way for her to vote for him, only to see him then join the right wing majority in ruling the opposite way. She said in a statement, throwing out a precedent overnight that the country has relied upon for half a century is not conservative, she said. Well, thank you for finally noticing, Senator Collins. She added, quote, it is a sudden and radical jolt, radical jolt to the country that will lead to political chaos, anger and a further loss of confidence in our government. And she is correct. Now, of course, when she says they're not conservative, when she says it's a radical jolt to the country, well, people go, well, uh, you know, uh, 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 she's a sitting senator. She must be very angry about that. When I say it, oh, Brad is just crazy. He's uh, he's (laughs)
1: unhinged.
0: He's a loose cannon. But not only will it lead to further loss of confidence in our government and in our court system, it will also lead to a world of chaos and lawlessness in this country, Planning ahead for the eventual demise of Roe, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer had filed a lawsuit earlier this year against three county prosecutors in her state to preemptively challenge the 1930s-era abortion ban that is still on the books in Michigan, Nicole Lafon explains at TPM. TPM. Her logic was simple. Once Roe was ultimately overturned, the century-old law would immediately go back into effect, giving those 13 county prosecutors who oversee the 13 counties in the state that house abortion clinics, it would give them the authority to charge people who violate the old-school ban. Whitmer also asked the Michigan State Supreme Court to strike down the outdated law, which is very extreme, outlawing performing an abortion in all cases except when the pregnant person's life is in danger. And Whitmer has taken steps to codify abortion rights into Michigan's state constitution. No easy feat, necessarily, when the legislature there has been gerrymandered and Republican for some time. All of that, of course, even if she is successful in Michigan, all of that could be overturned. Immediately, the next time there's a Republican in the governor's mansion in Michigan or the next time that Republican controlled majorities in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate with a Republican in the White House. Well, at that point, they will be able to pass a law that overrides any protections for reproductive freedom that may be available even in states like Michigan or New York, or California, as Mitch McConnell has already said that he is open to doing if he is put back in charge of the U.S. Senate. When Michigan's Governor Whitmer announced her lawsuit, more than half of those prosecutors Uh, who are targeted with a legal challenge, signed a statement saying that they supported Whitmer's lawsuit and would not enforce the abortion law if and when it went into effect. Presumably, the other half, however, did not, did not sign that statement. Either way, the so-called good guys in this case are largely being asked to ignore state law in order to do the right thing, and the others will presumably begin prosecuting doctors and maybe even women if the law that is currently in place stands as it is. And this is the result of what Republicans and, foolishly, media and Democrats describe as the fruits of a conservative Supreme Court decision, which is actually the opposite of conservative as even Maine's Susan Collins was able to uh, recognize, it is, in fact, radical. It is not conservative. Stop giving them that credit. Now that Roe is overturned and there are a uh, few legal avenues at the moment for protecting abortion access at the state level, especially in so-called red states, Prosecutors, attorneys general, and district attorneys across the nation are following those Michigan prosecutors' leads, at least some of them. Since Rose overturning, LaFond reports dozens of local prosecutors around the U.S. have issued statements vowing not to prosecute people who seek abortions or perform them or help people to get them. No matter what their state laws may otherwise direct, this is the lawlessness that I'm talking about. This is the chaos that I'm talking about. Additionally, on uh, the same day, the radical rogue justices on the Supreme Court took away an individual constitutional right for the first time in this country's history. Does that sound, does that sound conservative to you? It is not. On that same day, 88 elected prosecutors signed a statement. They're elected prosecutors. They signed a statement promising not to prosecute abortion cases. The group consisted mostly of attorneys general and district attorneys from blue and red states, including some from Georgia and Texas, which have some of the most strict bans on the books. And yet they said they will essentially violate the law. Those who signed the statement said that charging people for abortion care would be a, quote, mockery of justice, which is true. But it is still lawlessness and chaos. And that's where we are. Not all of us agree on a personal or moral level on the issue of abortion, the prosecutors wrote in their statement. But we stand together in our firm belief that prosecutors have a responsibility to refrain from using limited criminal legal system resources to criminalize personal medical decisions. Well, good for them. The banding together is significant, especially as we head into the midterms and fears swell about what Republicans might do with their power if they retake Congress. Some Republicans are indeed mulling a federal abortion ban now that Roe is out of the way and doing so would be perfectly legal for for them to do. Perfectly constitutional, as the corrupt justices have now made clear when they crushed the 50-year-old, well-established, previously constitutionally protected right to an abortion. While it should uh, not have to be this way, writes LaFond, if if a national ban were to happen— The values and politics of local officials will then take on new life as states and municipalities will likely move to establish safe havens for abortion access, akin to the role that so-called sanctuary cities have played in protecting undocumented immigrants. Though at least in those circumstances, public officials did not actually have to violate the law in those so-called sanctuary cities. In this case, they may well have to do so in order to do the right thing. That's a lot to ask of those public officials, those elected public officials. As LaFond reports, how your local prosecutor feels about abortion rights will now hold new significance, which is just one more reason to take part in your elections this year, both primary elections and the general election in November, and pay attention to who is running for things like prosecutor. And here's another reason. Here's Joe Biden on Thursday speaking at a NATO conference in Madrid. We have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law, and the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be. We provide an exception for this. Good. An exception for this.
1: Finally, he said it out loud.
0: And he could have said it a lot more uh, 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 loud and proud and clearly. Yeah, uh, that would have been helpful. But he said it and he said it out loud. The filibuster should, in fact, be modified to allow the passage Of reproductive rights into federal law in all 50 states. Of course, he can only do that. That can only be done if there are enough Democrats in the Senate willing to help out, even though Susan Collins was uh, now says she was tricked. She was hoaxed by that liar, Brett Kavanaugh. Will she be willing to do away with the filibuster in order to codify Roe? I don't think so. Right now, there are only 50 Democrats. That's the barest of majorities. Two of them have already said that they will not modify the undemocratic filibuster for any reason, even after Republicans did exactly that in order to pack three of Donald Trump's justices onto the bench in order to take away the constitutional right. So, 48 sitting Democrats must agree and must do so out loud to modify the filibuster in order to codify Roe into law, and then Democrats have to pick up at least two more seats in the U.S. Senate this November, and they have to hold on to their House majority. None of those things are an easy lift, but as Josh Marshall at TPM has been arguing, as have we, that's the sort of thing... The Democrats must promise to voters out loud that they will do immediately upon uh, getting a 52 seat majority in January of 2023. If voters give them the numbers of senators and Congress members needed to do it. It does help that the president of the United States has just called. For that himself, at least for the filibuster part, we'll see how many Democrats hear him on that and turn that vagary of what Joe Biden said in Madrid into an actual electoral promise, a contract to voters before this November. I would suggest that if Democrats are serious about hanging on to their majorities uh, and any hope of passing anything in Joe Biden's expansive, progressive, if largely completely unfulfilled agenda, if they have any hope of doing that, that is just that sort of thing that they're were that they going to have to get serious about, making these promises to the electorate and making them quickly. Because right now, what was announced by the delegitimized junk Supreme Court after they gutted the EPA's ability to protect the environment and try to save humanity itself from our increasingly terrible climate crisis, and that constitutional and election law expert Mark Joseph Stern and I were able to only spend a few minutes uh, talking about near the end of our previous broadcast what they did after they gutted the EPA that uh, fewer many fewer people noticed what they did will make the radical not conservative acts of destruction by the activist Republicans on the high court seem like nothing make what they have done so far seem like absolutely nothing And again, from LaFon's coverage, the Supreme Court's decision on Thursday to take up Moore v. Harper. Write that that case down.
1: Moore v. Harper. You're going to want to
0: remember that. In taking up that uh, decision, well, that set off alarms across the election law world. The case offers a dramatic reimagining of the balance of powers at the state and federal level. And importantly, the legal theory at the heart of the case shares considerable DNA with the animating theory that Donald Trump and his cronies drew on as they sought to get the courts to help them steal the 2020 election. The uh, case to be heard, Moore v. Harper, in the court's next term They ended their term, uh, this year's term, uh, on Thursday. So this will come up in the next term. But it is likely to legalize exactly what Donald Trump tried but failed to do in 2020. And if you think, oh, well, this court would never do that, would never allow something (laughs) like that. Well, then welcome back from the coma that you must have been in over the last several weeks and months before waking up from it this morning. Congratulations. Welcome back. Got bad news for you. Before the election in November of 2020, Trump's allies were challenging some of the changes to election rules that were made in swing states in order to facilitate the election during the pandemic. But Trump's team was arguing that those changes were in violation of the so-called independent state legislature theory. A legal doctrine that, like the so-called major questions doctrine that they invoked in order to strip the EPA of the ability to protect the environment, doesn't actually exist. It's not in the Constitution. It is largely made up from scratch by the right-wing justices. We talked a little bit about this uh, with Mark Joseph Stern uh, yesterday when it came to the EPA decision and that ma- so-called Major Questions Doctrine. You haven't heard of it? Don't feel bad. They just made it up. Mark put it, well, all too nicely on the on our previous show, and he said the Major Questions Doctrine came largely, quote, out of Brett Kavanaugh's brain.
1: <laughs> he did say brain.
0: Yes, he did. But it was that made-up theory that anything that is of such great Importance and controversy is now a major question, and therefore it can only be decided by Congress Now, never mind that Congress had already decided in the Clean Air Act, the decades old Clean Air Act, that the EPA is actually directed by law, as Justice Kagan noted in her dissent quote to regulate statutory i'm sorry to regulate stationary sources. Of any substance that causes or contributes significantly to air pollution and that may reasonably be anticipated to endanger public health or welfare. And that, as she made clear, the court has determined on multiple occasions that the Environmental Protection Agency, quote, serves as the nation's primary regulator of greenhouse gas emissions. But never mind all of that, because the court's six radicals in their majority opinion, declared that Congress had not made any decision, had not spoken at all through their legislation about whether the EPA may regulate carbon and other dangerous greenhouse gas pollution, despite the fact that Congress absolutely had done so, as written in the text of the Clean Air Act and reaffirmed by the uh, Supreme Court several times before they at least before they became utterly delegitimized as the Trump McConnell junk court. They wanted, on behalf of the fossil fuel industry, to block the EPA from taking action that would lead to limiting the use of fossil fuels. So they made up, out of whole cloth, this pretend new legal doctrine called the Major Questions Doctrine in order to do so. That is not the behavior of conservative jurists. That's the behavior of extreme radical. Activists. That's why I don't call them conservative, particularly when it is the, in this case, it is the so-called liberals on the court who are now the actual conservatives. They're the ones who are respecting the actual text of the law as written by Congress and ignored uh, for convenience by the corrupt and not conservative majority. In that same way, in the way that they simply made up the major questions doctrine to prevent federal agencies from doing what those federal agencies have been statutorily mandated by Congress to do. Well, now they are similarly planning to make up this independent state legislature doctrine. In order to allow GOP-controlled state legislatures to suppress voters in pretty much any way that they see fit with a simple majority vote, never mind what state elections officials may say to the contrary or what governors may veto or what the state constitutions might mandate or protect, or even what ballot initiatives adopted by the people have previously ensured. None of that will matter. If, in fact, the court invokes this independent state legislative doctrine as if it is a real thing. This doctrine argues that because the Constitution delegates some election related tasks to state legislatures, state courts, election officials and governors have no authority whatsoever to interfere in federal uh, federal election related litigation at all. If the state legislature comes up with something that has to do with uh, federal elections, well, they can do it. The governor cannot veto it. It doesn't matter what the state uh, state constitution says. It doesn't matter what the state Supreme Court says. It is a sweeping take on election law that puts the sole authority over election related matters with the state legislature and only the state legislature. And yes, it is. As insane as that sounds, four of the six right-wing justices on the court have already declared that they are in favor of this doctrine. Earlier this year, Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh suggested in a dissent that it was time for the court to examine this independent state legislature theory. And on Thursday, they announced that they will do exactly that when they took up more v harper which is focused on in this case congressional maps in north carolina after voters challenged a congressional district map that was drawn by the gop state legislature that heavily favored republican candidates the north carolina supreme court struck down that map that gerrymandered congressional districts district uh, all the all of the districts and they drew up a fairer map In Moore v. Harper, North Carolina Republicans use the independent state legislature theory to argue that the state Supreme Court, in doing so, overstepped its constitutional authority to strike down the map, that it should be left up to the legislature, whatever they believe, no matter the law, no matter the Constitution. That the state Supreme Court, which interprets the state constitution, may not tell the state legislature what they can and cannot do when it comes to federal elections. That the governor cannot tell the state legislature what they can and cannot do. That the state legislature, which, by the way, only exists due to the state constitution which created it, They can nonetheless ignore that very same state constitution because the U.S. Constitution declares that state legislatures have the power to decide the, quote, time, places and manner of elections in their state and the, quote, manner of choosing electors for presidential elections. We are often on this program way ahead of the curve here and at Bradblog.com In warning you about what is coming down the down the pike And telling you what you need to know about In fact, over the years We've often been called crazy, radical, partisan Loose cannon, whatever Take your pick for doing so But time and time again We are proven right Sometimes years later When everyone else finally notices Oh yeah, there is a problem In using unverifiable touchscreen voting systems In our elections Who knew? Yeah, maybe the Republican Party really is going off the rails. As Desi likes to say, we have often been your early warning system. I <laughs> yes, think is that's the way exactly what
1: I've said for years now.
0: I'm, I might amend that to say uh, that sometimes we have been your only warning system. So True. so please pay attention. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's why I am trying to take a moment here. And I suspect I'll need to take many more such moments over the next year or so to warn you about what the six radical extremist activist Republicans on the Supreme Court are about to do to your American elections in these United States in 2023 in advance of the next presidential election in 2024 if scotus were to side with were to side with the republicans who challenged the north carolina's supreme court's authority in this case and at this point i find it harder to believe that they won't side with them than that you know they i believe they absolutely will well that ruling by the supreme court would dramatically increase the authority of state legislatures over federal elections moving forward, as LaFond observes, that's a problem in general, but one made more dire by the failed coup that we all witnessed in 2020, as Trump and his allies tried everything in their power to overturn the 2020 election and spread lies of a stolen election by Democrats. And while they failed to keep Trump in power, those big lie efforts were not in vain. In since 2020, we have seen uh adherence to that big lie scheme win elections at the state level. They are packing swing state legislatures with those loyal to the big lie. As former very conservative, actually conservative federal judge J. Michael Luddig, Outlined in a CNN op-ed that we shared with you several weeks ago when it was first published, if the Supreme Court rules on Moore v. Harper in a way that sets independent state legislature theory as precedent, it will give new life to the foiled layers of Trump's 2020 election theft crusade as we head into 2024. It will Limit the authority of state courts on all kinds of election litigation issues, including, yes, if and when state legislatures attempt to appoint illegitimate presidential electors. Those alternate electors that were clearly phony in 2020, well, they will have a true claim to legitimacy by 2024 under this theory.
1: Yeah, they won't be fake electors by then. Any Republican state legislature can go ahead and overturn the will of the voters and present their own slate of electors, and there will be nothing that the courts can do about it if this becomes precedent.
0: As Judge Ludig wrote in that op-ed, quote, forewarned is to be forearmed. He writes, Trump and the Republicans can only be stopped from stealing the 2024 election at this point if the Supreme Court rejects The independent state legislature doctrine, thus allowing state court enforcement and state constitutional limitations on legislatively enacted election rules and elector appointments. And if Congress amends the Electoral Count Act to constrain Congress's own power to reject state electoral votes. So this is not a drill. This is a serious as a heart attack warning about what is likely coming down the road. And at this point, I don't give much of a damn about the failings of Democrats and the Democratic Party. And there are many of them. I look forward to the moment in history when we have the luxury of taking on corrupt Democrats in anything but a primary election at this point. But at this point... Democrats are going to be needed in both the House and Senate. Reforming the filibuster seems to me the only path to not not only uh, restoring the previously constitutionally protected rights of Roe, but also the only path to real reform, on gun safety, on climate change, and on much more, including, yes, reform and expansion. Of the stolen, packed, corrupt, extremist, radical and not conservative in the least Supreme Court. And that can only be done with a Senate majority large enough and courageous enough and a Democratic majority in the House that is large enough and courageous enough to do the right thing for the vast majority of the American people who, by the way, do not support what this radical extremist off the rails large genital toilet bowl salesman of a junk Supreme Court is now doing. And that can only happen through you and everyone that you know organizing and getting out to the polls this year and fighting like hell for your ballots to be counted and counted as cast. Okay, took longer than expected, but got that out of my system for now. (laughs) Let's take a break here. We will come back with a a grab bag of a few items that I've been trying to get to of late, only to have my best laid plans sort of derailed by House hearings and radical Supreme Court destruction of everything we hold dear.
1: Yeah, funny how that works.
0: We'll see how many of those uh, things I can get to here, including some news on one Virginia Ginny Thomas and her promise well, her promised testimony to the House January 6th committee and Desi Doyen's latest Green News report. That's yeah. all ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
1: Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
0: Don't let it Catholic girls much too late the later, Yeah, down to I don't know. We'll Welcome, back. The Welcome back to the Bradcast Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. You know. from bradblog.com We don't know, is Virginia Thomas Catholic
1: or not? I don't know We're that We're not sure, alright
0: Well, as you have likely uh, noticed it's It's been an insane week or more of late You know, between the illegitimate Supreme Court and the uh, primary elections in eight states and special coverage of the House January 6 committee that uh, has sort of forced me to put off some stories that I had hoped to cover previously. But as we will now be taking a few much needed days off next week with the uh, July 4 holiday, forgive me for a a, a grab bag of a few various items here that I want to try to touch on just to get caught up a little if possible. On that, uh, a little over a week or so ago, you may recall, news broke that Ginny Thomas, the corrupt right-wing activist of the corrupt right-wing activist Justice Clarence Thomas, had been in close touch with Donald Trump's then chief of staff, Mark Meadows. He's in a lot of trouble, by the way. I think I predict anyway. But Ginny was in touch with Mark Meadows, urging him to help Donald Trump steal the election. She also wrote to about 30 Arizona state legislatures to urge them to reconvene the, the 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 state legislature in order to select electors for fake electors for Donald Trump rather than the guy that you know, the voters actually voted for Joe Biden. The committee, the House committee, has now uncovered evidence that Jenny was in close touch with Trump's rogue right wing attorney, John Eastman. He's the guy behind the scheme to direct Mike Pence to steal the election for Trump while presiding over the joint session of Congress to ratify Biden's electoral victory. Eastman reportedly pleaded. What did that?
1: I know it's just—it's so much corruption, it's so much stuff, right? And such so much corruption in this backstory that just to get through all the different characters who have become so corrupt right. and done so much to try to to dismantle democracy. Anyway, sorry, please proceed. No, it's
0: okay. <laughs> Eastman he rep- he he pleaded uh, reportedly uh, the Fifth Amendment more than a hundred times during his testimony to the House Select Committee to avoid criminal self-incrimination. So after all of that news broke, the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee investigating January 6th and Trump's attempts to steal the election— They invited Ginny Thomas to come in and explain herself and, you know, respond to all of this pretty damning evidence about her role in what happened in 2020, even as her husband was sitting on the Supreme Court and voting to block potential evidence of Ginny's personal involvement in this scheme to block evidence from of that from being shared with the committee which is why he needs to be impeached, but that's a different story. So, anyway, Ginny responded right away. She got a lot a lot of publicity for it. She said absolutely she couldn't wait to meet with the committee. She told the Daily Caller, that's the propaganda news outlet created by Tucker Carlson, that she, quotes can't wait to clear up misconceptions. I look forward to talking to them, she said. Suggesting she planned to comply with the uh, invitation to testify. She could hardly wait. That was reported far and wide. But guess what? Like her husband and pretty much everyone left in her party, she is also a huge liar. She has a new position now. It was clarified by her lawyers this week. And that new position is that she is not going to testify because the committee has, quote, no basis to interview her.
1: (laughs) And strangely, the fact that she said she's not going to testify got way less coverage. Didn't I wonder it, though? Why.
0: And by the way, it took me about f- five minutes there to explain that no basis for her <laughs> uh, uh, testimony. She wrote yeah. a long letter to the uh, committee head, uh, Benny Thompson, Liz Cheney, uh, with the lawyer saying the committee must provide, quote, better justification for why the committee wants her testimony. Uh, the the uh, attorney here who is <laughs> no
1: basis except for all the basis.
0: The attorney uh, Paoletta is his name. Is close with the Thomases. He's written a book about Clarence Thomas. Uh, he writes in the letter, "quote It is in this context that Mrs. Thomas has expressed a willingness to try to come before the committee as a means of clearing her name, but based on my understanding of the facts the committee has in its possession, I do not believe there is currently a sufficient basis to speak with Mrs. Thomas like it is." Mrs. Thomas's decision or not whether to speak when invited to talk to Congress. So contrary to what she told the Daily Caller when the story initially broke and even before much more of this stuff came out, it turns out she can wait to clear up misconceptions and she does not, quote, look forward to to talking to the committee after all. That story broke. Uh, By the way, you said, why did this not get more attention? Well, one of the reasons is it broke on Tuesday of this past week. It did not get much attention because that was the day that uh, Mark Meadows' top aide, Cassidy Hutchinson, gave her bombshell public testimony to the committee. So I just wanted to make sure that you heard about it, just in case you hadn't heard that Jenny was lying when she initially said she could not wait. To clear up those misconceptions by talking to the committee.
1: And by the way, yes, she is a Catholic.
0: Is she? You looked it up? All right. So come out, Virginia. Don't make us wait. (laughs) Anyway, uh, another, actually even older story, uh, but this one is good news that you may or may not have heard about. I want to make sure you do. Fox News' parent company can be sued by a voting machine maker because Rupert Murdoch and his son Lachlan may have acted with, quote, actual malice in directing the network to broadcast conspiracy theories alleging the 2020 election was rigged against Donald Trump. Delaware Superior Court Judge Eric Davis denied Fox Corp's motion to dismiss the suit, saying that Dominion voting systems had shown, in fact, that the Murdochs may have been on notice that the conspiracy theory that rigged machines tilted the vote was actually false but they let Fox News broadcast it anyway. Dominion cited it in uh, cited in its uh, suit, a report that Rupert Murdoch spoke with Trump a few days after the election, quote, and informed him that he had lost. The judge said, quote, these allegations support a reasonable inference that Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch either knew that Dominion had not manipulated the election or at least recklessly disregarded the truth. When they allegedly caused Fox News to propagate its claims about Dominion, uh, that's what the judge said as he allowed the uh, Dominion's claims against the right-wing propaganda outlet to proceed. The company has argued that its re- that it is w- that its reporting was protected by the First Amendment. Well, that protection makes it difficult to sue the press for defamation under the standard set by the Supreme Court at least before it was wholly corrupted, public figures, including companies, must show media outlets acted with, quote, Actual malice, meaning they knew that the information they were publishing was false or that they acted with reckless disregard for the truth.
1: It's important to point out malice in this case has a very specific legal definition that is not the common usage that we mean. Like, oh, it's malice. Oh, you're mean to somebody and you hold malice in your heart against them. You're mad. This is an actual (laughs) legal definition that says you knew or should have known.
0: Right. And uh, this is uh, the latest ruling by a judge allowing these defamation suits to proceed against these wingnut fake news outlets and uh, Trump allies who repeated this... uh Evidence-free These evidence free claims uh, on the air and eventually helped trigger the January 6 insurrection in the ruling. Davis further noted that other newspapers under Murdoch's control, including The Wall Street Journal and The New York Post, condemned Trump's claims and urged him to concede defeat. But Fox News did not. As for the Murdoch's Davis claims, uh, Davis ruled the claims of actual malice had been met with respect to four specific allegations, including that the Murdoch's caused Fox News to broadcast false claims about Dominion, even though they did not personally believe former President Trump's election fraud narrative. So those allegations support Dominion's claims. That Fox News was, in fact, on notice that the claims made were false and uh, made by on its air by personalities like Rudy Giuliani and the Trump attorney, Sidney Powell, that Fox knew that those claims were bogus. Judges have previously allowed cases against those two to move forward to trial as well. All of these suits by Dominion and also by Smartmatic, another voting machine company against the wingnut outlets and Trump's MAGA attorneys are for billions of dollars. So, good news that they are allowed to proceed towards trial, uh, even though, as you may have heard over the years, I'm not a fan of those voting machine companies. (laughs) Just a little. I'm still happy to see them move forward. Finally, one more piece of good news here very quickly, since it's a story that we covered some weeks ago with longtime voting system and cybersecurity expert Dr. David Jefferson of Verified Voting and Livermore National Laboratory, that insane bill to allow Internet voting in California that was moving through the state legislature here, being pushed by Democrats in the state assembly, that was tossed out Yay. in the state Senate. Yes, <laughs> it took some hard work and testimony by grassroots anti-internet voting experts uh, in the uh, Senate committee hearings and a statement, by the way, from the California Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, opposing the measure, which is good news on its own, because Weber, who is great on voting rights, she is much less knowledgeable when it comes to the dangers of electronic voting. And she had not run, run in at all uh, to support or oppose this measure when we talked with uh, Dr. Jefferson who had been hoping uh, to urge her to come out against it. She did, and that measure, at least for now, is dead in California. Look for it to reappear in some other form. Because it always does. Like a zombie bill. California Democrats keep bringing this up, trying to pass 100% unverifiable Internet voting again and again, losing each time, at least so far. All right. Uh, so some good news there for you yes. Nonetheless here to bunk my high <laughs> After this break Desi Doyen joins us for our latest Green News Report I'm Brad Friedman and this is Your Bradcast <laughs> No dilly-dallying, straight to it. Our latest Green News Report. So while the Supreme Court case is very important, uh, it's not the only game in town.
1: Right-wing Supreme Court strikes major blow to EPA's ability to regulate carbon emissions. Residential natural gas stoves leak carcinogens even when turned off, study finds. Plus, clean energy jobs are booming fossil fuel jobs are shrinking all of those booms and more
0: straight ahead from bradblog.com i'm brad friedman and
1: i'm desi Doyen.
0: stand by for six minutes of independent green news politics analysis and snarky comment getting to a wedding costs an arm and a leg Gas is so expensive, you can bring it as a wedding gift. This is your Green News Report. And make sure you hold on to it, though. Your grandkids can sell it to a warlord for water. Okay, Desi Doyen, the day that we have long predicted, long feared would come has now arrived.
1: As expected, the right-wing supermajority on the stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court has issued a disturbing landmark ruling in West Virginia versus EPA. That's a lawsuit brought by Republican attorneys general over emission standards that never took effect. The 6-3 majority ruled that despite the Clean Air Act's broad textual mandate, the EPA does not have the authority to regulate carbon dioxide emissions from power plants because Congress didn't explicitly say regulate carbon emissions. The decision kneecaps the agency at a critical time when scientists warn the window is closing to act to prevent catastrophic climate impacts. It throws a wrench into new standards being developed by the Biden administration. However, in an interview with Sky News before the ruling, EPA chief Michael Regan said the agency has other tools
0: president has a number of tools in his toolbox. And as we look at all of the regulations uh, that govern power plants, We have regulations that look at traditional air pollutants, uh, water pollutants, and coal ash or, you know, hazardous waste cleanup. So while the Supreme Court case is very important, uh, it's not the only game in town. Well, good luck with those other tools. Given what the Supreme Court has decided, it's clear to me, at least, that they are also going to handcuff the agency on those other rules.
1: As well. Yes, the ruling is the pinnacle of Republicans and their funders' decades long corrupt coordinated scheme to stack the court and handcuff the EPA from issuing future climate and pollution regulations. And it can also be used to gut the government's ability to regulate corporate behavior in other sectors.
0: There is a reason I don't call these right wingers conservative. They aren't conservative at all, they are radicals.
1: And it matters because climate research shows that man-made global warming has now escalated the risk of compound disasters that interact with self-reinforcing feedbacks. A new study has found that extreme dryness in the U.S. West's man-made mega-drought boosted hot temperatures by four degrees last summer, intensifying both heat waves and wildfires, with greater cascading impacts together than each disaster on its own.
0: So, It's all getting terrible all at once.
1: A different study finds that most U.S. cities are seeing more extremely hot days overall than in the past because of global warming. More than half of U.S. cities now see at least seven more extremely hot days than in the 1970s, with the hottest summer temperatures arriving much earlier and persisting later into the fall. In other news, new scientific research shows that residential natural gas stoves leak carcinogens, including benzene and 20 other toxic air pollutants that are linked to birth defects and cancers, and they do it even when turned off.
0: So that is the clean natural gas we hear so much about?
1: So-called. Nice. This is the first study to document additional pollutants included in the natural gas that's piped into homes, part of a growing body of research identifying natural gas as a Significant source of indoor pollution. Electrify, please. But some good news. In Oklahoma's Republican Senate primary this week, Trump's wildly corrupt, scandal-plagued first EPA director Scott Pruitt lost his bid for the U.S. Senate to replace retiring climate science denier Senator James Inhofe. <laughs> And he lost badly. So
0: there's that at least.
1: And finally, jobs in the U.S. renewable energy sector rose faster than overall U.S. employment in 2021. And it made up for job losses in the fossil fuel industry, even as fossil fuel production increased. The Department of Energy's annual jobs report out this week detailed dramatic growth across the entire clean energy sector in 2021 and found that the fossil fuel extraction industry lost more than. 31,000 jobs, while the electric vehicle sector alone created 45,000 jobs, a stunning 25 percent increase over the previous year.
0: So there's that as well. We'll take what we can get. Thank you very much for much more on all of these stories and the ones we could not get to today. Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. We're off for a few days for the holidays. We will see you thereafter. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman.
1: And I'm Desi Doyen. And
0: this has been your Green News Report. Hot
1: town, summer in the city. Back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Thank you very much,
0: Desi Doyen. Yep. As you heard the man say, we will be taking a few days off. However, we will be filling at least some of it with a, a, a ser- our series of special coverage of the House January 6th committee hearings. If you missed any of that, don't worry. They're coming back your way i got to get out. My thanks yes. to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download all of them for free anytime at bradblog.com. Thanks to those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help us uh, fill up the Prius. Uh, you can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the BradBlog. I will see you there. Until we see you here next time, whenever that is, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hot
1: town, summer in the city. Back of my neck, getting dirt and gritty. Been down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk.